Hello, Internet peeps. Welcome to another edition of Big Trouble Little Podcast, episode 184. Oh my god, we're almost up to 200. And uh, I'm Joe Dubs. Hey, I'm Andy. Uh, I'm Zach. And we are here for Black History Month. We're going to start off with my pick, uh, Denzel Washington, one of my favorite uh, actors. He actually is one of my favorite top actors. He's up there with Gene Hackman, actually. Um, which is a white man. I shouldn't be saying that during Black History Month, but uh, you're allowed to say who your favorite actor is. You yeah. have to get all like weird. About yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> you know what? White people don't exist this month. You know what I talk about? You know we should just we shouldn't even be doing the show. We should just yeah. quit. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I feel like at some point it's gonna come up anyway. So it's kind of fun to be like, yes, we three white men, we are going to talk about Black History Month now. <laughs> Anyway, uh, we're going to be talking about American Gangster. I've never seen this movie. Um, I don't know if Zach has seen it, but I know Andy has. Oh, yeah. And, I was excited to watch it again. Yeah, so it was a, almost a three-hour movie and a three-hour good movie. Um, but before we get into that, guys, what the hell have you been watching, playing, or doing? I'll go first since we were kind of having a discussion before the podcast started. I watched Picard season one, and I remember when I brought it up a long time ago, probably when we were doing the Star Trek movies or episodes, um, I was like, hey, I saw Picard, it's kind of, eh, it's not like the Federation and stuff. Uh, and yeah, they definitely bend some shit um, to make Picard look uh, bad, and Seven uh, looked bad as well, too. Um, but they did like a nostalgia thing. And again, that's what every th- media is now is that they have to put nostalgia there. So you had spoiler Riker was there. Um, Deanna Troy was there. Uh, data was there. Also data. The actor was there. He was like the other soon, uh, brother. Oh, or N- and yeah. So he was there and, I gotta admit, like, if you take out all the stuff, be like, oh, this is what Picard's supposed to be. Kind of like if I took out the, this is what Luke uh, Skywalker would have been. I would have been like, ah, it's just a pretty okay movie. And that's how I looked at it, this show. It was like, it was okay. It had a good plot. <laughs> like, it had the synthetics were being banned kind of thing um, from uh, the Federation. And they were, <laughs> like, the synths were like, hey, we're fucking stronger and smarter than these fucks. Let's just go kill them and not worry about them banning us. And like, um, they did some things with Romulans and another race where they tried to do segregation. So that's where like the go woke stuff and the politics. Um, Patrick Stewart did good, I think. What he worked with. Everything I know about that series, I kind of learned from those um, Red Letter Media videos that Mike and Rich did. I, I would watch it like if I had access to it, just because you know I am a Star Trek fan. I'm not like a super fan. I've never seen all of uh, of Enterprise or Discovery or anything like that. But um, it just it bothered me so much that the 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 vision of the the Federation that I feel like you get from the shows isn't the Federation that's represented in that show. Like the stuff where there's a bunch of Romulan refugees and they just treat them like shit and stuff like that. Like that doesn't. Mm. That doesn't sound like the Federation I'm aware of. And I, I realized that even in the future there was racism and stuff, but it was like institutionalized racism. They, they implied that they had moved past that, I thought. But I guess I 
What obviously what they did Hollywood wise is they tried to make the Federation look like America with neocons Republicans or like, hey, fuck this shit. We're just gonna treat people like shit. But that's why it's wrong. Is the Federation was never supposed to be the United States. The Federation was supposed to represent the world. Exactly. And I what I will defend is because I'm trying not to spoil. Are you guys gonna watch it? No, I've already had most of it spoiled. No okay. worries for me. So, like, at one point, like, literally Picard is dying because he has, like, brain cancer and shit. And he's like, I don't know what to do. It's like one ship versus, like, 200 uh, uh, Romulan ships, warships, are about to, like, fire upon a synth planet and all that stuff. And out of nowhere, William Riker comes and he's like, motherfucker, please. He got, like, 500 starship uh, facing off against uh, the Romulans. And... During the times when William Riker's in the show, they kind of bring back the old Federation. They kind of do the whole, well, back in our time, we used to do this, but things have changed. So they kind of cover it up in the writing that something along the way happened after Next Generation, where it kind of reverted back to the old, you know, hate stuff. <laughs> that, so the writers were like, they, they elected Space Trump. Oh, no. Yeah. So they, so they let Riker take a command of a bunch of ships. Because but like when Picard has to do that, they're like the sheer fucking hubris of you to ask that. One of the greatest people to ever serve in this core. <laughs> it, it, I'm pretty sure if General Patton didn't die in a goddamn carriage accident, and he said, you know, some shit went down somewhere, he's like, hey, let me go over there and whip ass. They'd probably be like, hang on, let, let's talk about this first. They wouldn't just say, fuck you, get out. Like, what? And they do like this, the, the writing, like, oh my God, it's so obvious, but I kind of like separate it because I'm like, I love Picard. That's one of my favorite captains. And they do this subtle thing where they have this <laughs> old white man be like, well, back in my day, this is what we used to do in this situation. We tried our best. And then they go, the minor- my minority alien goes, well, you don't know how we feel. And I'm like, oh my God, they're... <laughs> They're shaming Picard's whiteness in this script here. And I can't believe I... And then, I don't know. I, I still enjoy it as much as like all the bullshit that happens in today's entertainment. I enjoyed it still, so I, I kind of recommend it. <laughs> if, you've, if you have a way to watch it, watch it. Um, so what's it on? Paramount Plus? Yeah, Paramount Plus, yeah. Is that what they just announced that Halo show for? Yes. Yeah, I might get it whenever that comes out. Maybe I'll maybe I'll give that a shot because that a trailer was pretty fucking cool. Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, you get to see my reaction on my YouTube channel if you want to see what I was talking about about the. <gasps> no, I didn't. Did you guys see all that stuff about how? <laughs> you guys see all that stuff about how in the background of it there's a fucking Chevy Tahoe? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> there's a bunch of memes about it now in that trailer in the background in in this this planet. In the far future, there's a she- there's like a 2001 Chevy Tahoe or something. It's just like <laughs> shitty and, and like dusty looking. And everyone's like, God damn, that, that car is going to have legs, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that uh, that's the news, I guess. Yeah, the Halo uh, trailer came out during uh, one of the football games. Um, which I mean, we were also talking about what we watched this week, and I watched that. Yeah, that, it was a good... Uh, apparently, it's a different timeline. Like it's still the beginning, but they changed some stuff because they changed some, like the chief's like a mindless weapon or something, and he's like, good. 
they're making the Federation kind of, or the Federation <laughs> kind of making the good guys the bad guys. Or just, I don't know what's going yeah, on. Yeah, Cortana has like skin now, and she doesn't look computerized. And I'm like, what is going on here? But I was like, <laughs> it looked it looked cool. Um, other than that, I started Dying Light one because Dying Light two is coming out Friday, and then I finally got my Pokemon game, so I, I will be playing that soon. Mine's on the shelf. Mine's it's in it's in my Switch. Pokemon Legends Arceus. So yeah, I'm I'm excited to play that. A lot of people are giving shit about the the graphics, but like a lot of people are like, this is a fun game. Like this is what I've always wanted in a Pokemon game. So I'm like, yeah. So the gameplay is good. The graphics, who cares? Yeah. Uh, other than that, I oh I read more of the Andre the Giant biography book. So kind of like that shit. Kind of like wrestling books now. I want to get the Brett the Hitman heart book soon. So it's a very good one. Yeah. But other than that, that's all I've been playing, watching, or doing. Zach, would you play or watch or do? Um, I think I watched a little bit more U Hawk show. I kind of stalled out watching it a little bit just because other stuff keeps happening or taking my attention. Mm-hmm. But I'm still attached to that show, and I'm going to finish it. Um, played some more Final Fantasy 4 I am at the end of the game I'm getting ready to go to the last dungeon I gotta get go get Bahamut first that's like the, the last thing I have to do uh, but I'm ready to do that um, what are you playing it on by the way did I already ask that uh, I don't remember uh, but I'm playing it on PS1 the, the PS1 version that they put out I know there's like a bunch of different versions of that game, but it's like the, as far as I know, it's still pretty much the original. Like they didn't really do anything other than add like a couple scenes. They added some cutscenes, yeah, and they cleaned up some interface stuff. They also added a run button. I didn't even know I could fucking do that until I read a guide. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, this whole time I was just walking around like normal. I'm like, oh wow, this is a lot better. But uh, yeah, I own it on DS, the the remake they did. And then I I know that there's like the After Years and stuff and some other like uh, new installment that takes place before the After Years. So like eventually I'll go and get that stuff and play it. But I got to finish this first. I always meant to play the After Years, but I never got around to it. Like I beat the game and I was like, is After Years worth playing? And a few places were like, yes, and a few places were like, not really. And in order to play it at that time, I think this has changed, but in order to play it at that time, I would have had to buy a new copy of the game and beat it to unlock it because I had just beat it on the Game Boy Advance. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to play the whole game again. I'll just do it later, and this never did. There was a PSP compilation that came out, and it did come out over here. Yeah, yeah, that that's the version I would have had to buy at that time, but I I just beat it. I read it was selectable from the menu. It should be, but I don't know if it is or not. At that, that's what it was implied at the time. And plus, I was I think I was just ready to move on to something else. Some of the stuff I read about After Years was that it was less satisfying than the actual ending of the game proper. So I just I just stuck with that for now. Hmm. I guess it, to me it just seems. I guess it would really depend on how big of a fan you are of that game. Yeah. So that, that's kind of all I've done, though, so far. Okay. I've been, com- been reading comics, but I'm not finished yet. I don't like to talk about comics until I finish them. So, okay. 
Andy, what about you? I didn't. I haven't had found as much time to do much. I uh, installed and played Gears Three on my Series X. Uh, it installed an update. The update was kind of big, which surprised me. I I'm still slightly confused about what it's doing. It seems like it just downloads a full copy of the game from the Microsoft Store, but it locks it behind. I have to have the disc in the tray to run it. Which, whatever, I guess it's fine. But it makes it run super fast, and it makes it run at 60 frames per second. So yeah, you I'm get all that, about that. You get that FPS boost, and they, right. they are emulating an emulator, a 360 emulator to do the 360 games in Xbox. I, I read, like, the whole Wikipedia article about backwards compatibility on the Series X, and it's actually really interesting because some games are only disc some games are only digital some are both some have a fps boost some have a resolution boost and some of them have like like if you play banjo panzer dragoon orta the regular game gets a, a resolution boost but if you play the unlockable version of panzer dragoon one it doesn't but it does get a frame boost and like there's all kinds of like weird asterisks like that it's really interesting mm. and uh i didn't watch anything i just watched a fuckload of youtube because i'm a loser i watched a whole bunch of matt mcmuscles playing video games and i watched a bunch of donut media stuff about building cars that's that's my life now i like to watch youtube trash <laughs> I, I think you do better than television at this point it is there's so much uh things you could choose from on youtube yep all right let's get into this american gangster film by the way, I didn't know until literally at the end of this movie that it was a true story. That Frank it says at the beginning based on a true story. I must have missed it because at the end I'm like, okay. I was like, oh, wait a second. And I like Google <laughs> Lucas and like uh, the uh, the defense attorney, which was Russell Crowe's character, uh, was like a real thing. And man, this is the whole movie felt like now i understand it's a true story but it felt like it was like following like a scarface type of uh chemistry a little bit because you you have this guy right he's a a bodyguard for one of the the the... what gang were they by the way were they some type of gang the guy that was before a gang it's just like the guy who ran harlem it was like a drug warlord warlord or whatever uh, I almost said Wardlow, like the wrestler. But anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, Frank Lucas decided I'm going to get the purest fucking heroin and go to Vietnam and then bring it back to uh, to fucking Harlem, New York and sell it cheap and be like one of the best uh, drugs on the street because it was so pure compared to all the not pure heroin that was out there. Uh, what? what what did you guys think of Frank Lucas? Because uh, there was that time they showed the positivity side of him a little bit, where they're just like, "Mama, I bought you a house and all that stuff," and I thought that was pretty cool, like seeing him with his family. <coughs> Excuse me. The, the movie does a fantastic job of doing this thing where he's a bad person, like he's a bad guy. The first thing that happens in this movie is you see him set a living man on fire. And then shoot him six times for some reason, but okay. Mm. Killing a guy in cold blood, like he's a bad person, but all throughout the movie, constantly, you're like rooting for him. He's a nice guy. He's being nice to people. And then every once in a while, he'll like 
beat one of his brothers half to death with a piano. Like, yeah. <laughs> every, or no, that was his driver, wasn't it? it? Like every once in a while, he'll be a really bad. There's a there's a really great part. I think it's right around the halfway point where they kind of like remind you what the stakes are here mm. because uh, everyone's having Thanksgiving. Fucking uh, Thanos is at his goddamn mansion <laughs> or something, and he's like having a nice thanksgiving and frank lucas denzel washington he's he's having an awesome family thanksgiving with his family who's brought up from north carolina and, and russell crowe's character is having like chicken out of a can on a sandwich or something and they're like yeah it's it's right around the halfway point of thanksgiving and everyone's kind of doing their own thing and then it reminds you what the heroin epidemic is doing to the united states and it shows you like two or three people like overdosing it's like a dead guy next to like a child mm. and stuff like that. And they remind you like, this is what's going on. This is the stakes. This is why Frank Lucas is rich and powerful is because he's doing this to people. And you're like, Oh, okay. That, that kind of brings me back a little bit. It reminds you a little bit to root for Richie Roberts, Russell Crowe's character, even though he's arguably the less interesting of the two main characters. Mm. Yeah. And Zach, what do you have to say? Um, uh, I never saw this movie either. Um, <laughs> and when I went to watch it, I had to like talk to myself for a second. Cause I noticed there was a unrated version that was like 20 minutes longer. I watch the unrated and like, version. And I'm like, do I watch that? No, I'm going to watch the theatrical cut first. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I liked it fairly well. It felt kind of like a, uh, throwback to like, when like gangster movies were like a really popular genre mm. like a big rash of that i guess the last rash of that was when scorsese was still doing gangster movies and sopranos was still going at that time i believe as well <laughs> yeah but that, that's that's different yeah they haven't necessarily gone anywhere the irishman just came out like two years ago mm. yeah but before that what was there it was like the what the fuck was it called the departed, departed was 2007 six seven something like that uh which yeah, yeah it was the year before but it's like that used to be a genre that was like there there was a lot of releases and then like in the 90s it kind of sputtered out like you had goodfellas and you had casino and there's probably a couple other ones that aren't as good as either of those movies that came out that everybody forgot <laughs> but uh yeah it kind of reminded me of that and yeah, Denzel's Frank Lucas is like really charming and cool, and you want to root for him and stuff. Whereas Richie Robinson is like kind of not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of perplexing sometimes because he's always just like, it's like you want. It's weird. It's like they try to juxtapose this. Like he's kind of a scummy guy, but at the same time, he's like, no, I want to like turn all the money back in, and or like I want to get these guys, and it's odd like i thought that was kind of strange like they didn't execute that aspect of him very well there's a weird like they commit but they don't commit to fully characterizing roberts and kind of making half the movie about him because the movie is still mostly about frank lucas it's like two-thirds frank lucas one third mm. Richie roberts and they're doing this thing where you know he's divorced and he's not lost custody of his son, but like the his ex wife wants to take his son to Las Vegas and he doesn't want that to happen. So they're like going to court about it and all this other stuff. And that narrative doesn't play into the greater narrative of 
of cops versus gangsters at all whatsoever mm. like that doesn't come up there's not a part where oh this can be this can go away if you do such and such or try to corrupt him or something it's only there to make you care about that character a little more and it works in my opinion like you know it, it humanizes him it makes him not just because without that he's just the guy who turned down a million dollars because it was the right thing to do which it was and that's still really impressive but oh he's a flawed character as well and he's maybe not a great father we're not sure 100 mm. and he's like, a we sex don't really fiend see, we, we know that he wasn't there for some stuff but we don't see it in in length but then he tells us the viewer that oh i wasn't a good father because she yelled she he whispers to her and she yells at him in the courtroom and then he's like uh you're right i am a bad father i'll just see him when i can in las vegas i'm sorry i wasted the course time and then just like walks out and that's you know a really interesting scene but at the end of the day none of that has anything to do with these you know special investigations cops finding the the heroin leader in new york or anything it has nothing to do with it yeah and i don't know if this movie did it on purpose but it, it like blurs the line a little bit because i'm gonna i'm gonna name him thor because you said it but like thor like i didn't know he was like the nypd just being corrupt until literally uh Thanos called yeah. thor Oh my bad, Thanos. <laughs> Josh Brolin, yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, I forgot. Thor. I forgot he was in this movie. When he turned up, I went, "Oh fuck, it's Thanos." Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I don't even know who you are. <laughs> but like when I saw it in him in the beginning, I was like, "Oh, that's another mobster boss," because he's dressed like a mobster and he's yeah. a bad guy. He's like one of the worst people in this movie, like far and away. Yeah, he shoots a dog. <laughs> I wanted I wanted Denzel Washington to fucking murder him, and it never happened. Yeah. yeah. He murdered himself. It's bullshit. He murdered himself. <laughs> mm. uh, you know who asked us at this movie? Just a weird aside. Uh, Norman Reedus has he had that same haircut his entire life? Or I think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's Norman Reedus with that same fucking haircut. <laughs> a varying length. It, it, sometimes it's shorter. Sometimes it's longer. He's only in that one scene. But I was like, oh, it's it's fucking Sam Bridges. It's fucking that guy from Walking Dead. And he like perpetually looks forty. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he always looks like he needs a shower and he's 40 yeah <laughs> yeah but like the blurred lines i was like we don't know who the good guys and the bad guys are in this movie because they all look scummy in some way right um russell crowe's character he seems like a scumbag father but then you find out like he's actually a nice guy and he's trying to like make things right a little bit yeah he's trying to and then he he still like admits that he's bad and also some of the more tense scenes, I think, are when he's talking to this, a school friend of his who's in a mob family. Yeah. Like, what's that about? <laughs> it's like, if he's so righteous, but eh, whatever. I, I thought about that scene because I'm like, you know, what happens when you're a, a, a longtime friend with somebody? And then you find out, like, they're part of, like, some mafia or some gang and stuff. But, like, you have to put that to a side to be like... I'm still your friend, bro. <laughs> like that's how I looked at it with Russell Crowe and that. Uh, he seemed Mexican, right? Am I thinking Italian? Italian? I love how he was explaining the microwave. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's Italian, right? It was brand yeah. new back then. Yeah. yeah, they were all just like he uses, he uses like some atomic power, like shit or something. I can't <laughs> like rearranges the molecules of the food. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think it's kind of right. I'll buy you one. Yeah. <laughs> 
I like that he got a church like the, part of their headquarters. <laughs> that was really funny. I don't know why. Uh, he's like doing the Lord's work, <laughs> like getting these drugs off the street. Uh, but um, I I like how they. Pr- Denzel Washington's always going to be a good actor because he always shows like good raw emotion when he does things. Because like, when he slaps the cup across the the interrogation table, like you could tell, like motherfucker, get the fucking cup off the table, and he does it like really well, like uh, believable. Like a lot of wrestlers can't fucking act and shit, but Denzel Washington, he could slap a fucking cup off, and I'd be fucking terrified of him. And all that. So, like, I like him in that. I like how he was dealing with Idra Elba as the <laughs> the other gangster, where he just goes outside, shoots him in the face, and takes his money and puts it into the fucking sugar jar. I love that scene. Um, I didn't even recognize him. Cause I'm so used to Idris Elba always having, like, the salt and pepper look. Yeah, I just had the same realization. I was like, oh, that was Idris Elba, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he, There's a lot of people in this movie. Like, Cuba Kennedy Jr.'s in it for a minute. Yeah. Is is it? in it. Like, <laughs> It's so good. Uh, I it, Everything about it, because there was t- a lot of corruption in NYPD, and I like that the uh, they showed that, like, once the Jersey police, which that's what uh, Russell Crowe's character, he was part of Jersey, like crossing to New York. That's when he get into like Thanos territory. <laughs> no, no, Russell Crowe's character is part of New York. It's like you remember he was ch- he, he had his guy chase them over into fucking New Jersey. Yeah, but they were part of Newark, which is New Jersey. No, Russell Crowe worked for in New York. They went across in New Jersey, and those guys were like, "Hey, you're in New Jersey now." Thanos, Josh Brolin was like, "You need to announce when you come over here." They got in a whole argument about it. I thought it was the other way around. Yeah. I thought Josh Brolin was in New York, and Russell Crowe was in New York. No, because he's like, he was arguing about like he, that's not the way I remember it happening. <laughs> that, like, that, was, that was the impression I got. Is they're in New Jersey. And they're like, they're following that, that truck across or the car across the bridge. And they're like, oh, Thanos was Trooper, right? No, because he comes back later, like when they start yeah, true, working together. He's in NYPD. His office, and he told him, hey, listen, when you come over to New York, we actually arrest criminals. Like he said, New Jersey. In New Jersey, no. we're crazy. We actually arrest bad guys. No, New York. <laughs> well, this is what it says on Wikipedia that Nick Trippo is a corrupt NYPD detective. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> so, because, uh, yeah, the corruption in in, in New York uh, was a big thing. And I think they did it. I still a- can't believe in the, in the epilogue, I assume this is accurate, it led to the arrest of three quarters of the police officers involved in drug, yes. in, in drug investigation. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Because think about it. Like, this was during the late 60s into the early 70s when Jimmy Carter Vietnam goes on right alongside this movie which is really interesting Yeah, so like cops are getting paid shit wages so what do they do they just take money from the gangsters and stuff or work with them to make more money than what they did in you know in uh, in the NYPD and I liked how they showed that but at the same time like throughout the movie you're only learning about Frank Lucas and how he got big and stuff. And then like, and the third act is when they go into full gear, uh, where they're like, Oh, I arrested you, Frank Lucas. Now let's go after the corrupt cops. 
And I don't know. It just seemed That's out of really nowhere. That's like the last five minutes right there. Yeah. I mean, there's not much to that. And it's, it, it seems kind of flat. Yeah. It, it like, I didn't feel the tension when they arrested, when uh, Russell Crowe's character arrested uh, Frank Lucas. Um, I didn't feel any tension, but I still feel like it's really gratifying when he comes out of the church. Mm-hmm. And Russell Crowe's just like leaning against the car and they've like cordoned off the whole fucking block. And he's just like kind of waiting for him. I, I like that scene. I like that scene, but at this, you know what? I take back because I'm looking at it from an entertainment point of view, right? You're kind of like going, oh, this should have been his nemesis, Frank Lucas. Like, oh, this guy's been trying to catch me. But like in real life, you wouldn't know that. <laughs> like you wouldn't know it. No, yeah. I mean that that's true. That this movie misses that a little bit. There's less of the like I'm aware. Like in the Untouchables, there's a little bit of the like I'm aware of Elliot Ness. I'm aware of Capone, and they talk about each other in the press and stuff. Mm-hmm. The, th- this movie doesn't have that, and I think that's because it's trying to be a little more true to like what actually happened. I assume. Mm-hmm. And it would have benefited from that some, but it's kind of more fun watching them in the interrogation or in the in in the room where you know he hits the cup and stuff and he's talking about he wants the mob people is so I'll take them too and so you really do want the corrupt cops like that's a fun conversation for them to have. Mm-hmm. So that makes up for it a little. But yeah I, I see what you're saying though. There's not a lot of like he's my nemesis. Yeah and it was true that they he did uh who who's the Russell Crowe's character again? What's his name? Richie, Richie Rod- Roberts Richie Roberts did actually put 150 people away from the NYPD. <laughs> that's how cor- that's how corrupt they were. Jesus Christ. Uh, and I liked how they showed the 60s, 70s, and then the 90s. My favorite part of the movie is seeing the 90s. Because I, I don't know what it is, but New York had a 90s look. And, like, if you look at New York now, and this is only going to, like, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're not gonna see it because I lived in New York and I know what it was all about, and then see what the movies were about. Um, I, I, the '90s had a smug look to New York City, and they did it correctly in American Gangster. If anybody's from New York, and if anybody's you know watched a lot of '90s movies uh, that were uh, in New York. If you guys get what I'm talking about, please comment <laughs> in our YouTube. I, I want to. Yeah, please do, because he just sounds like a crazy person. Yeah, I always sound like a crazy person on this podcast. <laughs> hey, I'm from Long Island over here. Yeah, I'm from Long Island. Anyway. Bing bong. Uh, bing bong. We don't say that in New York, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the subway does, though. Yeah, the, bing bong. Um, I, I love Frank Lucas's like anger in this movie. Because when the blood was on the carpet and he's like yelling at the cleaner guy, he's like, "You're supposed to pat it with club soda." Dab it, dab yeah. it. No, you yeah, love it. That shit. Yeah. That's alpaca. <laughs> and his like wife, his Puerto Rican wife, is like, "Man, I married this guy." <laughs> and you know when they try to, sh- which by the way is kind of fucked up with these gangsters. They're like trying to kill his po- nice, good-looking Puerto Rican wife. Because he's like selling more drugs than than the other gangs and shit. We assume. Yeah. I, it bothers me that we never really know who made that attempt on his life for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, you never really learn that. Everybody seems to want to say, "Oh, it was Italians," but I thought Italians didn't really go after each other's family. No, they don't. They don't. Yeah. I mean, they wouldn't, but I think they're frustrated. Oh, this 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 black guy is the most powerful 
heroin importer now, and it used to be Italians. And I, you know, there, there could be some frustration there. Because that's what he implies when he's interrogating him, and when he's making a deal, is, you know, they never really um, trusted him. Or uh, There's another scene, too. I can't remember where it is. But he's talking about, um, yeah, no, it's that same one. He's talking about you represent change and they want things to go back to the way they were. The mob wants to be in charge again, but black gangsters are taking control. They're, mm-hmm. they're getting the upper hand, which as history would show is, you know, that the precedent is set. That's the way things would blow. It, what, sort, of, sort of to an extent. And what I love about this is like, even in like gangster world from all sides, from like, Asians, blacks, Italians, and all that stuff. Like they had their like world leadership stuff. And like when that one guy died, you saw all the gangsters go to the funeral. And I'm like, this is so like what happens today in our own politics. Like we all hate well, they put on a show where it looks like both sides really hate each other, but like when one person dies, they all go to a funeral and they all, you know, look like they're having a good time or, you know, being united. And they do that with the gangsters. Like, you see the mafia boss, you see the other black gangsters, and then you see the, you know, I don't know if, they, know if there's triads in New York City or whatever, Yakuza. I, I don't know. Um, That's what Grand Theft Auto told me. I, <laughs> but, uh, I, I, think, I think going to a funeral can be, like, a political move as well, though. Mm-hmm. And they politic as well because Frank Lucas was talking to the mobster guy, which, by the way, he's on Sopranos. He's uh, one of the bad guys against Tony Soprano. But, uh, like, they were kind of politic, uh, like, uh, being politics because the Italian guy is trying to be, like, nice and stuff. And they're having dinner and stuff. And they're like, and then he goes to his office after. The, the drive-by shooting and he goes oh you have a nice place it looks like you're making a lot of money over here mm-hmm. and it's kind of like dissing him in a way like I couldn't believe this you know I really like that actor and I really love his look and it kept bugging me what if I seen him in before and I just looked it up I just wanted to share it uh, he's Rico in, in the Stallone Judge Red. you know mm-hmm. that's him yep <laughs> awesome <laughs> <laughs> sorry I interrupted irrelevant movie point that Dubs was making so that I could be like, oh, he was a Judge Dredd. That's so exciting. <laughs> I saw that movie. <laughs> I thought he was, uh, Frank Lucas was going to kill his brother like multiple times because... I thought he was going to kill a lot yeah. of people. <laughs> Look, you, my brother, I blow your motherfucking head off. <laughs> said that to him one point. Yeah, because he's like having fun with Nikki, which is a uh, Cuban Jr.'s uh, character. Uh, and he's like, you you want to dress like him and be like him? You want to work for him and all that stuff? And he's like, I'm going to buy you a new suit. And then when they get stopped by uh, uh, the the Thor, not Thor, Jesus, Thanos and his, uh, his his posse, his gang and stuff, like he forgets that there's drug in, drugs in the, the back, and he like punches the shit out of him <laughs> in the car. Like I thought he was going to take out a pistol and shoot him. Like that's... How bad it was going to be. But, like, he kind of, like, gets better near the end. He doesn't cause a lot of problems. He, like, actually wakes up and does his job. Probably because he doesn't want to die. <laughs> uh, and then you had, you know, the kid who <laughs> was going to be, like, with the Yankees and stuff. Like, he had an interview with Billy Martin. And uh, he's like, no, I want to be like you. And then he's like, 
I felt that story kind of fell flat a little bit. That's what I was about to say is I wanted more of that. Like that seems to be that that's a really poignant moment where he they're like, oh, he can throw 95 miles per hour. Kids fantastic at baseball. The Yankees are fucking interested in him. Like, oh, yeah, sure. Come to a meeting. We'll see how how well you do. And he throws that away because he sees, oh, the real power is in crime. Like my uncle Frank. Like that, they should have built that up more. I mean, like the movie's not long enough already. I understand that, but I, I'm with you though. Like that, it, it falls flat right as soon as he says that. It's like that story just dies. Yeah. At some point, they're like, "Oh, that's that's so and so. That's the baseball kid because he's driving that cleaning truck that they used to pick up the heroin." And that's like the only other time he's mentioned for the whole rest of the movie. That's such a bummer because that that's interesting right there. Playing for the Yankees, that seems like that should be your dream as a young man, right? Yeah, and that's he had the skill playing major league baseball. Hell yeah, I want to do that. But no, he throws that away so that he can pursue organized crime. Yes, uh, and that, there's that's a whole movie right there. Jesus Christ. Yeah, <laughs> and that's why it confused me a little bit when I saw him in the near the end, like when he was taking all the caskets and taking the drugs out. I'm like, oh, he actually did get a job doing that. <laughs> like, like yeah. when, when when did this happen? <laughs> Like you almost expect Frank to be like, no, bitch, do do baseball. You, you can be better than this or something like that, but he doesn't. Mm-hmm. That doesn't yeah, happen he doesn't, at all. He clams up. He doesn't say anything. I'm pretty right. sure he gets shot in the fucking raid. Uh, pretty sure he got blown away. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, they, so they that, that, a whole... There's a lot more there. There was a lot more there. There's a, there's a, they could have done a lot more of the few things in this movie. There there's like I I felt like the ending just kind of like happened a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Uh, it just kind of like rushes through everything. Mm-hmm. I, I think that they should have tried to establish how Frank's business works more than what they did. Like that's always a pretty crucial piece of like a gangster movie. It shows how the guy sets up his business and like, it's weird. Cause it's like, okay, so he just makes it off of hair of opium heroin, I guess. And, it doesn't show like how he sets up a false cleaning company or some bullshit or anything like that. He's just that happens too. <laughs> uh, then I don't know. Yeah, the stuff with like Russell Crowe's character could have been executed better. Mm-hmm. Have they ever have they ever done anything else with this true story, as they put it? I know there's a television series called American Gangster, but I don't think it's actually about the same thing. I think they just use that name. Uh, I don't know. Supposedly, Frank Lucas gets bandied about in a couple other things uh, mm-hmm. as, as a character. Um, I went and read about what really happened and stuff a little bit after I got done with the movie. Uh-huh. And apparently, they really Hollywooded it up, so to speak. I don't doubt that for because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people, <laughs> there's a lot of people in law enforcement that are like that weren't really happy with how the movie turned out. Cause like that, that was something even like some critics of the film was saying is like, I don't know. They make the bad guy like too likable, I think. And um, uh, that that's the thing. That's why I said it kind of blurred the line a little bit because they don't hammer like the cops are corrupt. Like they kind of give you like a little bit, like in the beginning with Russell Crowe's car- uh, partner, he was corrupt because he became a junkie. He was always like, we should have took the money, man, and all that stuff. And then Russell Crowe's like, no, we have to bring it in. We have to be Boy Scouts and stuff. 
and then they show Thanos's character. But then the end is where they really show Frank Lucas's like we have to get the corrupt cops. You never really heard anything about Frank Lucas like hating the corrupt cops in a way. They give like these. I mean, tidbits. obviously he hates them because of what they did to him, but it was more like those specific cops. Yeah, because it's like, more yeah. just Josh Brolin and his cronies. Yeah, um, but like they did kind of really change like how Frank Lucas was. Like, <laughs> I remember like a judge, uh, like in like one of the court hearings or something was saying like, no, Frank Lu- Lucas was a violent, illiterate, nasty man. <laughs> like they made him like like this real Trump. nice. They made him like Denzel Washington. <laughs> yeah, they made him Denzel. You're right. Yeah, they they Denzel Washington did him up a little bit. Uh, they, and, something these critics and I understand from the. I, I'm sorry to cut you off a little bit, but from I understand from the law enforcement point of view, being like this sucks. We don't want to glorify this scumbag. He was a murderer, and he flooded the streets with drugs that also killed thousands. But. Something the critics of this movie are missing is the fact that the American public fucking loves bad guys as heroes. Mm. Like, yeah. loves it. Like, gangster movies, bad guys in cowboy movies, cops and robber movies, uh, heist movies. Love them. Love bad guys. We love them. Can't sure. get enough of them. I mean, look at, like, Scarface. Who's the hero of that movie? Scarface. T- I mean, T- Tony Montana is, like... <laughs> He's just selling cocaine the whole movie. And then there's a downfall at the end, and you're sad for him. You're sad for this guy who brought all this coke into the country. He had this, this is kind of the same thing. Like, <laughs> you know, you're rooting for Frank, who's bringing all this heroin into the country. Like, Yeah. America loves a bad guy. We love it. We love it when people stick it to cops. We love it when people stick it to the fucking government. We love that shit. Oh, dude, I... I- hate narcs <laughs> <laughs> i my one of my favorite parts is when russell crowe's like i have a fucking warrant uh military we're going into your fucking like i understand like why the soldiers would be getting mad like oh they're opening up these caskets to see if there's any drugs in it like you're disrespecting the dead soldiers yeah that's a little rough but, but at the same time right. at the same time he was right and this shows that the jurisdiction with the state, if you're in our state, the federal government doesn't do shit, motherfucker. You're like, <laughs> if we have this warrant, we're going in there to go look. And then that's... states' rights were even more powerful back then, too. Yeah. And the the powerful moment, which, by the way, I kind of like how they kind of did this a little bit, because in the beginning of the movie, I'm like, wait, why are they showing the, uh, you know, the Juden uh, necklace a lot, and then they build up to that point where that government guy or what? That horrible racist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that horrible federal racist. It just starts to call him, you know, the K word and stuff, and he um, disparages two different races in yeah. like ten seconds. <laughs> yeah, that was another thing. Was like the D. I think he was a DEA guy or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah he's- Federal or something. Like the DEA was like not happy about, about that movie either. They, they they said it was like super embarrassing for them. Yeah, it makes them look like they're lazy do nothings and or corrupt racist assholes. Yeah, <laughs> it could be. And <laughs> they might be. They might in fact <laughs> be, be those things. Uh, other thing I want to touch on was like for a little bit on Frank Lucas, which is like, yeah, this guy like in real life did a bunch of horrible shit. After the movie came out, 
he got invited to Big Apple Comic Con and he was fucking there. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't wrap my head around that. Like that's this, bizarre. He fucking they invited made... him like, and you could like pay to get his autograph. Or what something? year? What year? Two thousand eight. It's a year after that movie comes out. Just, oh shit! I, I, I went the next year, dude. I missed out on Frank Lucas. <laughs> I mean, like he he just died like two years ago too, or well now three two thousand nineteen is when he died. Mm. But uh, like I just couldn't wrap my head around that. I'm like, this motherfucker's like a legit like criminal like giant drug dealer, and like he went to jail twice. <laughs> they fucking put him in a comic con. <laughs> bizarre to me and it didn't like this movie also didn't make the military look good at all too because they were just trafficking these drugs in which is not too far from the truth by the way yeah i was about to say (laughs) sadly very sadly there's a precedent set for that not just from vietnam but from afghanistan if you want to get a little more modern Mm -hmm. the opioids actually um this is apropos of very little but that's a plot point in a Punisher comic book as well. It's just a weird. I remember it came out a little bit after this movie, and uh, um, Garth Ennis just stole that. Just stole that plot point. They're smuggling opium back in the caskets of dead American soldiers from Afghanistan. And I was like, "What the fuck? This is just he just stole this from that movie." Gangster's <laughs> like, "Hey, I got an idea." Yeah, it, it, I will say, like, if this wasn't a true story, if this was fictional. I I would kind of want it's good. I kind of want to see a sequel where like Frank Lucas is still trying to get drugs from Vietnam still. <laughs> like yeah, that, I that's kind of what I wanted to see happen because mm. he goes that final time and he says you'll see me again because you know the American forces are going home. He doesn't have a way to get those drugs home anymore. Part of me wants to see what would have happened next, but. I, I don't know if in real life that's also where it stopped or what happened, but mm. that that's a real tense part. And then it's just, he just gets arrested. <laughs> but it, obviously he's on a downward spiral at that point. Stuff's coming out of control. They have the guy's driver and they, they've got their informant now. So mm. I don't know why they, I don't know why they did this. They, they fudged like what happened to him. Like, you know, when he went to prison and shit too, mm. it was like initially for the deal he made with like, you know, getting all the NYPD people in trouble and shit. Yeah. Uh, he got, he served five years, got back out, started doing that stuff again, and went back for seven more years. He was only in for five? Yeah. Jeez, that must have been a hell of a bargain deal. But well, then he went back in, because so in the movie they say he was in for 15 and got out in 91. Nope, he got, he got back out in the 80s and then got caught doing shit in the 80s and Went back in for seven more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and it's funny how like uh Richie Barnes uh character like he in the beginning they show like he passed the bar in New York and yep. you, you would think like he would run for prosecution, right? And he doesn't go for a prosecution, he goes for a defense attorney. And I thought that was pretty odd at the same time, but like it makes sense in Frank Lucas's point of view. Like, yeah. you know, you have, even though he was a bad dude, even the good guys were the bad guys. <laughs> and I guess that's what he was standing up for is like, hey, maybe all these people that these corrupt cops put away, maybe some of them might be innocent or not deserve, you know, a uh, life sentence or 
I don't know if New York had capital punishment. I think they did at one point, then it got taken away. I think in the 90s, they took away capital punishment. Um, but yeah, I mean, having the death penalty, I used to be pro death penalty. I was like, if you do the crime, you know, you, you shouldn't be doing it if you don't want to die. <laughs> if like you do like a major crime and shit. But now I'm kind of like, wow, it could end up having 12 biased people putting you behind bars and possibly the death penalty. So I kind of changed my mind about that. And maybe that's what Ricky Barnes, Richie Barnes did. Uh, maybe he thought about that. By the way, one of my favorite scenes is when he's fucking that lawyer. Did she say, fuck me like a cop, not like a lawyer? Or would she yeah, say? that's what she says. Yeah. <laughs> I laughed out loud a little bit. <laughs> uh, but overall, I, th- I thought this movie was good. Um, oh, before we move on, uh, the Puerto Rican wife. I, I thought she was pretty good um she kind of seemed like she wanted to get the fuck out of there once like she knew like he was a crazy fuck did, did you guys well, she, did. she stayed with him even though he went to jail well he told her she wasn't leaving <laughs> well she still did and then when they came over there tearing her house apart she's like he's gonna fucking kill you for this you know that right mm-hmm. <laughs> like she didn't give anything up really I got mad when he killed he killed the dog. Yeah, that's yeah. Cool. Fucking cops do that all the time. Fucking narcs. Yeah, that's true. They're scumbags all. All for fucking money, bitches. They tell you to like follow a bunch of instructions and confuse you, and then fucking shoot you or something. By the way, nice way to like hide the money. I guess I wouldn't even think that the dog would have it, but they did. So, but anyway, any final thoughts on this movie? It's good. It's, it's good. pretty good. I like that. Uh, I like that we we agreed to be like, oh, we're gonna do uh, Black History Month, and you choose a movie about a horrible black criminal. Great job. Great job. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I like Denzel Washington. I went into this not thinking it was a true story, and I thought it was just like a Denzel Washington being Denzel Washington, cool as fuck. So <laughs> I that's what I went into. And plus, that's Russell. Yeah, he was a cool fuck, but like he was kind of a horrible dick too, Frank Lucas. But whatever. Uh, who's next, by the way, Zach? Do you have a movie picked? I do. Does Andy have a movie picked? Oh yeah, I do. Okay. Do you want to go next? Do you want me to go next? I'm going next. You are. I am. Okay. okay. For for next week, we're gonna watch In the Heat of the Night. Ah. From the 60s, 1967, starring the late, great Sidney Poitier. Poitier. It's hard to say. I can't say it. But uh, not only is it Black History Month, but also in light of his passing last month, or was it in December? It was one of the two. He he just he just died. December. Sucks. But uh, In the Heat of the Night, I think it's available on Amazon right now. Mm-hmm. If not, it's on the Criterion channel, if you're a fancy pants scumbag like me. <laughs> all right so remember to watch in the heat of the night and then come back here and we'll talk about it uh, and then we'll continue black history month i know we have after andy we have zach's pick and then we have the fourth pick because he chose two movies so we're gonna do four movies um but before we end this episode usually we have news that matter to us and 
what's with these acquisitions, man? Like Microsoft kind of opened up a Pandora a little, uh, Pandora's box a little bit. Um, because I mean, you would think that I really want to believe that what happened is Sony was like, Oh fuck, Microsoft bought Activision. We got to buy something now. And like it happened at that short amount of time. But obviously we all know that in the business world, stuff like this is being talked about for months, if not years. Mm-hmm. And the timing is what's hilarious. Yeah. I, I think they, it, I think if anything, they wanted to put the news out there, be like, huh, these guys bought Activision. Guess what? We just made a deal with Bungie. It is possible that they accelerated the yeah. deal in light of the Activision finalization. They were like, well, uh, it's time. We got to announce this. Come on, Bungie. Get on board. And, they, and it's cool, but I feel like, I feel like Microsoft was like, yeah, Activision. And then Sony was like, Bungie. And then Crickets. It, Here's my thing. Sony does wording weird compared to the Microsoft. Microsoft goes right away, but like, motherfucker, we own this. This is ours now. Like, once this shit is signed and done, this is all these franchises are ours. Sony does it a different way. They go, we're partnering up with Bungie. They're well, they're merging said stuff like that before. They've partnered with lots of developers and publishers. But yeah, but they, it's, it's being treated as Bungie. That's a bigger deal. Yeah, but they still use the same terminology of partner and merging, which you know I noticed uh, even Bungie in their release said we're now part of the Sony family or something mm-hmm. like that. Even they weren't like Sony bought us. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> it doesn't sound nice. Yeah, uh, and I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine with it. I have a PlayStation Five. I'm not one of these fanboys that are going, how am I going to play my Destiny? News came out, Destiny is going to be multi-platform still. They said that day one. I think they both said it in their press releases. Like, it's still multi-platform, and it's going to be for a minute. Um, I don't know if this is... I'll kind of sidestep into something here. Um, Microsoft said, don't worry, Call of Duty is going to honor its commitments. It's going to remain multi-platform. Uh... Sony says, don't worry, Destiny's going to honor its commitments. It's going to remain multi-platform. Um, and then you've got stuff like, Dubs, you pointed out today, MLB The Show is not only on the Xbox now, it's also on the Switch now. Mm-hmm. Which is, it's developed by friggin' Sony. It's, it's a Sony game, and it's all of these other things. Um, all of this has got me feeling a little nostalgic for this time in, it was 2010, there was this big hullabaloo, this this big chat about in the future could there be only one console? And I had thought it was a it had stemmed from a comment by Tim Schaefer, but I was wrong. Even before he said it, David Jaffe is the one who said it. David Jaffe, like on his blog, was like, "Hey, what if there was only one console? It would be kind of interesting." I actually Googled it. I found the original article, the blog post, not article that he wrote in 2010, and it's like. I expected it to be like long and thoughtful because, you know, every freaking gaming rag wrote this think piece about it, about how he's so wrong. Mm. But uh, it was just like three paragraphs. And he was just like, hey, what if this happened? It it could be neat. What if it worked like this? Uh, Maybe it wouldn't be neat. I don't know. And that's kind of like the end of it. But anyway, he said that. And of course, everyone lost their goddamn mind. And all these people were saying, like, there's no way you're ever going to be playing Mario on an Xbox. <laughs> and obviously that ha- that isn't what's happened. But I feel like we're we're getting close to being, like, one step removed from that because 
I can play Minecraft on my PlayStation 4 right now. Who the fuck owns Minecraft? Microsoft. They have for a few years now. Call of Duty is going to be on everything, even though it's owned by Microsoft. Uh, yeah. Destiny's going to be on everything, even though it's owned by Sony, because it's going to be mean, it's on PC too, right? Sony made Blu-ray discs. Now Microsoft has been printing their games on Blu-ray discs since Xbox that, One. That is exactly everyone's argument. They're like, we're doing it with DVDs and v- VHS, and and PC. The PC space is like that. It's just one platform that everyone publishes games for. Like, it's not the '80s anymore. There's no Amiga. There's no Commodore. Unfortunately. Side note, Limited Run apparently is going to be doing some Xbox things. Xbox games, that's right. I'm thrilled about that. No, I didn't think about that until they made the announcement. I just never noticed it, I guess. I was like, yeah, they never make shit for Xbox. Why is that? They've been asked about it several times, and it was like, in order to order a small run of PlayStation discs or Switch carts, it, it doesn't cost too much, but in order to get a small run of Xbox discs... It's like way harder. It's like the quantity is like ten as much, and Microsoft yeah. just wouldn't work with them on it. But I guess Microsoft's finally gonna play ball and let them. It's fucking it. Phil Spencer, man. He's like, I'm gonna play ball with everybody. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. But, but anyway, just just to cap off my point, I starting to see that future that people like Jaffe and Schaefer were seeing, for better or worse. Like, obviously, there's a huge argument to be made either way. It seems mostly negative because competition is best us but instead of it being one console all published or all developers and publishers working on stuff for it it almost feels worse in a way because i i want there to be a more of diversity in the publishers and if they're all getting the developers are getting snatched up by the companies i don't know like we talked about before i don't want to beat a dead horse here but like we talked about before i hope that this just kind of opens up the playing field for some of the smaller acts to step in Mm-hmm. and and fill that void but i i don't know i don't know yet it's just i i it reminded me so much of this huge conversation this huge stink where every every jerk off had to write a think piece about how no that'll never happen and now it's starting to feel like what if that happened <laughs> i think the closest thing we'll get to a one console thing is that game pass will grow where it's going to be on mostly a lot of things now, it depends on what Sony and Nintendo, if like somehow some drastic thing happened, even Xbox, if something drastic happens on Xbox where they can't make consoles anymore, they could have Game Pass on Sony if that if they allowed it in some point. But like, oh, we're just going to liquidate. We're never going to do consoles again. We'll put it in contract and law in law that we'll never do that again. If you put Game Pass onto your console, I think that's the closest thing we're going to get where it comes to services are going to be on different things. We could have, we talked about it a long time that some type of Game Pass would be on a a Nintendo console, right? Um, If that ever got to that point. Mm -hmm. And maybe Nintendo could do their own thing if they wanted to, which they never will. But (laughs) if they wanted to, they could have their own Nintendo showcase that could be either streamed or downloaded just like game pass i don't know i think that's if they they ever did something like that it would be five years too late and severely gimped and limited because that's how they do shit like that Mm. i don't think it's likely to happen japanese companies have like this weird way of wanting to do their own thing their own way yeah i think that's part of it too is the the japanese business acumen versus 
I don't want to say a worldwide. I mean, obviously, you know, United States and or Europe, but there, I, I feel like there's a worldwide mindset to my, Microsoft's business plans that isn't reflected in, especially Nintendo, but also partially in Sony. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they always strive to do Western things, so I don't know. We'll see. Well, I mean, again, we'll, we'll see. It's all the, the wild goddamn West. Yeah. Um, well, Bungie's now kind of with Sony and people are... Which, by the way, some stupid people, both on the Sony fanboy side and the Xbox side, were going, oh my god, Sony has Halo now. And people forget that Halo license is now with 343. Where have these people been for yeah. 10 years? <laughs> they think that Bungie owns Halo when they don't. So This is when Marathon comes back, I'm telling you. <laughs> Imagine. I still think, I told you guys this like right off the bat, and I still stand by this. Take Killzone or Resistance... And revive that and make Bungie do it. Please. Yeah, like, that would like kick ass. For a while. Oh, or um, uh, I saw someone say SOCOM too. Maybe SOCOM. Haze. But... Haze. <laughs> Haze. Haze, the Halo killer. Haze, maybe Haze. Haze, the so Halo killer. Haze. Yeah. Resistance, fall of Haze. <laughs> All right. Um, Zach, any news that you want to bring up? No. Uh, just want to talk about wrestling shit because. It'll be super late if we just talk about the Royal Rumble a week from now. <laughs> so, the, Royal, the Royal Rumble happened, and uh, it seemed to be uh, mostly underwhelming. Oh, I didn't even know it had happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, one of our friends was trying to get everybody to come watch Royal Rumble, and I was like, no, dude, I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> oh, yeah, he was. I forgot about that. <laughs> like, I, if, I, if I was able to, I'd just go over to hang out with you, but like, I don't want to watch Royal Rumble. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I, it would be more about hanging out than watching Royal Rumble. Uh, Do they have like some weird? I mean, they always have weird guest surprise. Bullshit. Johnny Knoxville was uh, the guest appearance in the Rumble. <laughs> Bad Bunny was in the Royal Rumble, and he eliminated two guys in the final <laughs> five, pretty or the final eight, pretty much. Yeah, and then like so, like we told you last week, like, Ronda Rousey's coming back. I guess it turned out that was true, and she came in and won. Mm. So like, she won. Yeah, she won. So she's, like everybody uh, so thought, she must have signed a really good contract. Yes, well, she's still under contract. And she's just—it's just been frozen because she went to fuck off from being upset at wrestling fans, I guess, and then getting pregnant. So, yeah, like, you know. But like, uh, as soon as I, like the rumors are getting stronger, oh, she's coming back. I'm like, she's gonna win, and that's what everybody else thought too, and that's what happened. Mm. Uh, yeah, kind of snore, and then like. Brock Lesnar ended up being in the men's rumble and everybody was like, oh, okay. So like, he's going to win that one too. So he can go fight Roman Reigns. Like he was supposed to, he couldn't before because Roman got COVID. They had to fucking change the plans a little bit. Yeah. So it looks like we're not getting the rock versus, um, we call it Roman, Roman at, uh, yeah. at WrestleMania. Oh, so Brock did win. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He won the rumble. He's going, he's going after Roman. Now, Bobby Lashley became the WWE champion again, but it's like every time they do it, something with him, they want to like minimize him or it's like got a fucky finish or something. Like that guy just can't just be over. Oh, another controversy thing is not only Bad Bunny was like in the final five, but Shane O'Mac was like in the final four. And, Hell yeah. <laughs> and like obviously nostalgia wise, that's like fuck yeah, Shane O'Mac's there. But at the same time, that's when you know your talent is fucking scarce, where you have Shane O'Mac as the the final four in a rumble. I guess that's a good point. 
Yeah, that was the thing I was going to say. It was like the men's rumble, especially, was like really, it really lacked star power. I heard they just fired like that. half their roster, didn't they? Weren't you, haven't you guys been talking about that? They've been firing a bunch of people, but it's also like how they've been pushing and not pushing people. It's like somebody will get over, they'll they'll push them as a champion for a while, and like oh they'll get bored, and then they'll they'll put them back in the mid card. Like that happened to Kevin Owens, that happened to AJ Styles, that happened to uh, Drew McIntyre. Mm. Uh, it's going to happen to Bobby Lashley again, probably. It's just they don't. Seth Rollins became mid card, really, because they don't know what the fuck to do with him after they ruined it. <laughs> and uh, Ali, Mustafa Ali, um, he wants to be released from the WWE, so he didn't. Yeah. He didn't go into Rumble because one head people in WWE are not stupid. They know if they put Ali out there, he's going to look silly because he's just not going to give a fuck because he wants to leave. And two, he he just doesn't want to be in, in the company anymore. So why would you put him out there? So I'm like... So he said publicly that he doesn't want to be part of the company anymore? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He asked for his release because he has a message to spread that he can't do while he's in WWE. I'm like... Yeah, he's an activist, weird. pretty much. Fuck Okay. okay, but they they didn't grant him his release because that would set a precedent. So like, what's probably going to happen is they're just letting him sit there until they're like, "All right, let's cut like eight more people," and they'll 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 cut bait with oh, him. He'll go in the next wave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got to wait his turn like everybody else, brother. Unless you're Tony Storm and you just fucking pay for your own ticket to go back to New Zealand and say fuck you, and they let her quit <laughs> because they didn't have any recourse. She's like, "I'm done." Left after a house show booked her own flight home, paid for it, and just never came back. Mm. <laughs> Good for so her. What's New Zealand going to do? Extradite him to the WWE? <laughs> yeah. They, they, had to, they had to let her go. <laughs> yeah, the WWE is in, in like a sad part right now. It's kind of like, you know, like even when CM Punk did the pipe bomb, it, like it was still bad, but like it kind of reminds me of what me and Zach are going through, even though like it's getting better right now in the WWF raw in 1993, like apparently in 94 and 95, you get just, just fucking terrible and unbearable. 95 is commonly regarded as like the worst year for WWF programming. Yeah. And that's where we are today. Pretty much. But all but, right. So here's my question to you guys. Then is 10 years down the road, is there going to be a documentary about how WWE lost its way at this point, and then what no. happened? No, I think what's gonna happen eventually is that Vince is gonna wake up and like have the competitive nature. Yeah, he's gonna wake up and die. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Like, yeah. I, the only way stuff's gonna change is if Vince drops dead, right? That's my impression. Yeah, he's almost there. God damn it! It looks like he's held together by like fucking paper mache and b- bullshit. I'm pretty sure, that, like, the way he walks, it looks like someone's pulling strings anyway. <laughs> he, just, he just sounds awful now. It's like he's barely coherent. I, I've heard stories of people turning the closed captioning on when, like, this man's on TV, and it just it comes up unintelligible. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not joking. That really happens. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens. This is, this is everyone's weekly reminder <sighs> that I don't follow wrestling and I know nothing about it. That's why I had to play the... Uh, no, you tell me about this kind of thing. But my thing, fish out of water. I think eventually there the competition is going to catch up, uh, and AEW is going to be close, isn't it? I, I I see people talking about AEW, fucking every other day. But the problem AEW could catch up if they stop doing two steps forward, two steps back. Yeah, the problem with AEW is at any moment they could literally fuck up royally 
and they could turn into TNA. Like right now they're riding the high. Like obviously WWE is not doing that well and they're kind of doing questionable things, but also cool things at the same time. But one major fuck up could literally put them in TNA territory and, and WWE could they're still in a very, like they just got on television, didn't they? I thought they were making it. They've been on TV for two years now. Yeah. Um, it's just that like their thing is, is they always do hot shot booking. They, like they'll hire somebody be like, Oh man, they're here. And then, there's some hype for a little bit. And then because the booking philosophy doesn't change, which is there is no booking philosophy. <laughs> they just, he it seems like he just gets a list of people that's there and then just decides to make matches. Let, let, let me put it, th- let me put it this way. They're, I believe they're doing fine. Tony Khan is doing fine, but they're at some points where uh, the other VPs try to put their friends into TV time. And some of that could, translate to what happened in the early 2000s when they made David Arquette fucking world champion and that could still possibly happen in AEW if they you know if Tony Khan is the main man and is know what he's doing and he doesn't do that stupid shit then we'll be fine well well, he's been claiming the past couple months that the EVPs don't have as much say so anymore and that he's the one that's really booking the show most time like well you need to stop. <laughs> <laughs> you need to get some people that have expertise in this and collaborate or something. Yeah. But obviously, guys, if you want like a deep discussion about this, catch me and Zach on getting some color where we go, where sometimes you get some epic rants. Sometimes you get some uh, promos that were done in the TV show and then like edited by Zach where he was HBK and he called me big would you call me big daddy dubs big daddy dubs yeah <laughs> Your insurance policy yeah i'm diesel and we did i'm the heartburn kid yeah <laughs> so you get that stuff over there um but yeah wwe is is in a weird state um hopefully things change where i watch that product again but i'm never watching that product again until it gets better so yeah right now it's a long ways off so yeah like- Everyone listen to this. Go give getting some color a shot. It's my favorite show to walk into the middle of. Yes. <laughs> don't don't away. listen to the beginning unless you really want to. Just let them go for a bit and then just come into nothing. It's great. Ricky Steamboat did an arm drag and a drop kick. God damn it, it was amazing. <laughs> it's like you start right there. Yeah, it's, it's when they make uh, Ricky Steamboat like super Asian and he starts martial arts in the middle of the ring as a dragon. There you go. <laughs> There's WCW Saturday Night in a nutshell. But Ricky Steamboat, but he's getting better. Uh, he had a good squash match the other night. Man, that movie Dragon Bruce Lee story came out. I swear to God, this is what they did. They're like, "Hey, Ricky Steamboat, you look you're Asian. Why don't we make you like Bruce Lee right now?" Mm-hmm. I swear to God, that's what they just did. Yep. <laughs> but other than that, um, trying to think what other news that happened and i was kind of like whoa but there isn't any whoa news out there besides sony's having their uh their state of the play soon and again fucking metal gear came up again and i'm not i'm not falling it falling for it it's enough that's enough of that talk yeah also maybe we should wrap up because you sound like a robot i sound like a robot i'm sorry no no it's it's fixed maybe it was just on my it's clearing up there's a slag yeah anyway uh, we'll end the episode here since uh, internet stuff is happening. Um, so make sure that you follow the Big Trouble Little Podcast on Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
We have the Nemesis Project where me and Zach just did Resident Evil Revelations. We'll be doing Revelations 2 soon. And then we have Getting Some Color, which we just finished um, the first week of June. And we're kind of in the second week. Uh, which, by the way, Zach, you need to show Andy the whole Cactus Jack segment. The one the hospital. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. We'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> But, the one where he he ambushes Vince in the hospital with Mr. Sacco? No. Well, well, he didn't really ambush. He surprised him. Austin ambushed him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll take it from here, nurse. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, until next time, guys. We'll see you for next week for In the Heat of the Night. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.